Welcome back to Red Cedar Radar. I am joined by two familiar faces today to recap on Michigan State's game against Central Michigan University. How are you guys this morning? Doing good. Up a little late last night, but other than that, feeling pretty good. That's good. That's good. So first thing I wanted to mention is that um, Jimmy Buffett passed away. So... You know, may he rest in peace and may Margaritaville live on forever. Um, the next thing I wanted to mention is um, both Paul and Brendan um, covered the game and were in the press box. So they have kind of a unique perspective today as we talk about how um, our Friday night uh, kickoff game at Spartan Stadium went. How was it in the press box? And do you have any points just kind of like off the bat about um, how the night went? Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, it's always good from the get the press box perspective, kind of get the all 22 view. We had uh, Chase Glasser, our film expert, sitting next to us. So that was kind of cool, uh, kind of picking his brain a little bit, uh, kind of understanding a little bit of the X's and O's more uh, and kind of the strategy behind, oh, why the coaches did this, why the coaches did that. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into uh, get into the specifics here in a bit, but it, I, I enjoy watching the game from the press box. It's a great perspective. Yeah, for sure. Paul, anything to add? Um, no, it's definitely, yeah, as, as Brendan mentioned, it was very useful to be able to sit next to Brendan and, you know, here, or not Brendan, Chase. Brendan's right here, also next to me, but not Chase. It was uh, interesting to sit next to Chase and hear his perspective on some of the plays that went well and why they went well and some of the plays that went poorly. Okay, so you're in the press box. Chase was there giving you kind of the inside scoop of some different schemes and stuff. But talk to me a little bit more about what your dedicated roles were for game day. What specific things each of you handled? Yeah, well, we had um, a big crew this this time. We had actually four of us up there in the press box. And so we were able to kind of divide and conquer and kind of share notes among the four of us about what we were seeing. Had a couple different pairs of binoculars, too, which is helpful to, you know, spot which defensive lineman or offensive lineman is in for that particular snap. Um, but, you know, I was basically handling some of the message board duties, trying to, you know, keep the, the group on Spartans Illustrated's uh, premium message board up to date on what was going on, um, especially on stuff that we felt you maybe couldn't see from the press box. Um, so that was primarily my role. And then Brendan was doing a little bit different stuff. Yeah, I got there. Uh, I got to the press box probably around 515-ish. Uh, I was in charge of tweet duties for the game. So if you follow Spartans uh, Illustrated on Twitter, do that. Uh, step one and then step two if you read the tweets that was me so if my grammar's off or whatever come yell at me uh but yeah i got to the press box at like 5 15 5 20 uh there was breaking news right away terry roberts was confirmed that he left the program so that was kind of breaking news uh push got a story out on that uh also the injury the availability report the new thing that's required by the big 10 that actually makes our jobs a lot easier i think it's good for the fans as well uh, Jaron Mangum was questionable. Nick Samek was questionable. So during warmups, kind of just keeping an eye out uh, for them, what they're doing during warmups. Uh, the binoculars were definitely helpful uh, for that reason. So, yeah, just kind of keeping an eye out on uh, those injuries and tweeting was my job. I saw that injury report and I thought that that was like very slick because <laughs> for a long time in the press box, it's been – I don't see him. Where is he? Is he injured? What's up? Like, we got to figure out. I know he's not on the field. So, yeah, that does make our job much easier. You're right. Um, 
so yes, follow us on um, Twitter and check out our premium message board if you're interested in subscribing to Spartans Illustrated. Um, it was there was great stuff over there, good conversations during the game. Um, so check it out if you're interested. We're running a promo right now, and I can put that information in the description of the episode. Okay, I want to get into the nitty gritty stuff a little bit more. Let's talk quarterbacks. Um, when did you guys find out who was going to start and kind of how did that go over in the press box? Well, I think we actually were, we had a little bit of inside information. Uh, uh, David Harnes was able to, to inform us that um, he had heard maybe a few days before that um, Kim was going to be named the starter. And that did turn out to be the case. Um, I don't think officially we knew until he, he actually put the helmet on and got into the huddle for the first snap, as I recall. I don't, or was that announced? Actually, that was probably announced during the pregame that I missed because I got caught in traffic. So Brendan was uh, the responsible member of the team as far as that goes. But um, it wasn't really a surprise. I mean, I, I've been saying that Kim was going to be the starter since the spring game. That seemed like that was clearly the direction that they were going. Um, but so that was uh, that was certainly good to, to see that confirmed. And, I, and then I think the only question was how many snaps would Hauser get, which um, did, did that was a bit interesting how they how that played out. Yeah. Uh, yeah sorry. Yeah, Kim uh, talked to the media in the po- post game uh, press conference. He said he knew like a week, week and a half ish before the first game that he was going to start. So that kind of makes me think that he won this job pretty convincingly in fall camp. And uh, yeah, Mel Tucker announced that Norkin was going to start on his uh, pregame radio show. Uh, so fans that tuned into that knew a little bit beforehand that he was going to start. Uh, but yeah, like Paul said, uh, a little inside info. We knew Kim was going to start. Uh, so yeah, I thought he played all right. A little bit shaky in the first half. Settled in nicely in the second half. So Yeah, I think all right is a good way to put it. Nerves, I think for sure, for his first game starting. Um, I'll be curious to see if that continues at the beginning of every game or if he can kind of level that off and get in a groove right away. So we'll see. Um, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I, I think that it was funny about the jitters because in the in the post-game press conference, they brought out Noah Kim and Cal Halliday at first, and, then, and they were asked about jitters, and, and Noah kind of downplayed it. He's like, no, no, it wasn't really jitters. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when uh, Coach Tucker came out and they asked him about the slow start, he's like, I think it was jitters. So, you know, I think it, and I think it was uh, a bit of the jitters for, for Kim, and I wouldn't expect that to continue. And I, I think the interesting thing was, it wasn't until they got into the end of the, the first half in that sort of two-minute drill mindset. And that's when I felt Kim kind of locked in. Um, and then there was that that basically, you know, big third down, you know, pass pass play along the sideline, I believe to Glover, if I'm, my memory is serving, that connected. And he just dropped that in the bucket from like 35 yards or however, however far that pass was. And kind of once that play hit, then after that, he seemed to get into a groove. And, you know, I would expect if there is jitters going forward that that to be minimized. Um, I think your first game as a starter is always going to be your first game. And and once you get past that, then, you know, I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. Anything else to add, Brendan? Yeah, just going back to the end of that first half, sometimes when you're just forced to push the ball downfield a little bit and the receivers are kind of forced to make plays, forced to, you know, get in the vertical passing game a little bit. I mean, you're – it's just the offense can just open a new uh, or, you know, open a new door, I guess you could say. So I thought it was good. Uh, it can push the ball downfield end of the end of the first half there. Uh, that kind of kickstarted the offense that bled into the second half. And Michigan State had a really good second half. 
first play of the game ended in something kind of odd. So Alante Brown was down. Did you guys get any information about what was going on in the press box while he was down or when he was carted off? Or did they kind of give no info? Yeah, we did. We had, we didn't know. We just saw the replay. It looks like he uh, had a little, maybe he hit him, hit the uh, uh, central Michigan guy with his shoulder, maybe with a little the side of his head there. So maybe a little bit of head trauma there. But yeah, he got carted off. He was moving his extremities. We saw that. Uh, I guess he cleared. I don't know what he cleared, but cleared the doctor's orders. Came back later in the first half, which we were all surprised at. Yeah, I mean, we could basically all we could do was look down at the field with our binoculars and kind of see what we could see. And I think that was during the commercial break of the the broadcast. And he was just surrounded by MSU's medical staff. And you know, we saw them bring the backboard out, and you know, that always you never want to see that in any college in any football game. Um, but as Brendan mentioned, he was moving his extremities and, you know, there was something like a 20 minute delay or 15, you know, 15, 20 minute delay. And then when he did come back, like there was disbelief, like we were, I think it, we heard it announced in the, um, like the, 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 the announcement, I think it's the, the general stadium announcement that you can sort of hear in the press box, even though there is a fair amount of sound cancellation there. And, you know, we're like, Alante Brown, like, is, was that right? Like, and we're like, you know, checking the the replay on the screen and looking with the binoculars and like, is that really number zero? Are we sure that's not Chuck Brantley? And then you see a Brown. It's like, no, that was actually him. Okay. So yeah, that was shocking. And, you know, coach Tucker was asked if he'd ever seen anything like that at the end of the press conference. And he's, you know, he was tired at the end of the game too. Tucker was definitely, he was tired. <laughs> and he's like, I, I don't know. It's late. I don't remember ever seeing that, but you're, you're pushing me, my memory to, to come up with that. So yeah, that was unique. Yeah. Well, I mean, good that he's back. Kind of crazy that he's back. Hopefully, like Brennan said, he cleared everything and there was nothing else going on. Obviously, you know, they're careful with that sort of stuff. So it must have been an all clear. So good news, I guess. But crazy first play. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit more about um let's see so i was looking at my notes before because i was taking notes on my phone at the game like a nerd and um <laughs> i had written you know car question mark question mark question mark because he had <laughs> some crazy drops and i think he ran the wrong route once and just kind of looked like he wasn't ready to go i don't know exactly what to say any points on how he played obviously he got a touchdown so he figured it out for that but any notes and anything from the press conference on that at all? I, go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun too much, but the receivers didn't really help out Kim a whole lot in that first half. Mosley had a big drop. Carr struggled a little bit with the dropsies. Uh, I thought I mean, the touchdown catch was incredible. Got a foot down, hauled it in. Uh, tough catch, defender right in his face. So, uh, yeah, Carr's a guy that he's going to be relied on this year at the tight end position. He's the best pass catcher at that position. Uh, he's probably one of the best cat pass catchers on the team behind Trey Mosley, in my opinion. So uh, he's going to be a guy that he, when you go up against Washington and some of the big 10 teams that they're going to play, he's going to need to, to, to catch these passes really. And the drop seats, hopefully uh, that's gone after these, after game one here. Yeah. And I mean, I do think that they made a concerted effort to use Carr as a weapon in the first half, especially. And I just feel like Kim and Carr were not quite in sync because I think, I mean, he was targeted 
I was trying to find the number six or seven times. And I think that touchdown catch was the only one he, he brought in. And it was, a, you know, some of it was Kim's fault. He air mailed it to him a couple of times, but some of it was Carr's fault. I think the, the ball hit him in the hands a couple of times and he just didn't reel it in. So um, hopefully that will, that chemistry, I don't know if there's a chemistry issue between the two. I don't, don't mean to say that, but like, hopefully those two guys can get on the same page. Um, but I think the, the good news is that we did see some, you know, some of those younger receivers did start to make some plays in the second half. And, and that was encouraging to be able to see that, you know, cause that was the big, one of the big question marks coming in is, you know, who the, who the weapons of the skill positions were going to be. And I think we did get some answers to some of those questions last night. So let's talk more about offense. Any other point, positive points that you saw that you want to address or that was addressed in the, in the press conference? Yeah, like Paul said, I think the receivers played really well. Those young uh, receivers, Glover had 75 yards. Uh, Fitzpatrick had 70 yards. He had, uh, I think he had a 72-yard reception as well. He also had a negative two-yard reception, which is at 70 yards. So uh, Tyro, I thought Tyrell Henry did really well in the return game. I think he had two receptions. He had that one-hand grab, which was incredible. Uh, so I was impressed with those three in the receiving game. Uh, kind of eased my nerves a little bit with the wide receivers because we knew going in, Mosley was going to be – probably the go-to guy, the veteran leader, that group, but who's going to be two, who's going to be three. We don't know. Uh, so that kind of eased my nerves there. I was also impressed with Nate Carter. I thought he had a good game, uh, broke a hundred yards, had a couple big runs. Even that uh, first run of the game, he broke it for 31. Uh, so I was impressed with Carter. I think the running backs, uh, I think they got a solid one, two with Carter and Berger and Mangum did not play. So, and he, he's a big body. He's a bowling ball. So he's a guy you can throw in there in short yardage. We saw fourth and one uh, going from the shotgun, which is a little bit questionable in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, th th those are situations where you could use Mangum and he can get maybe that that extra inch and get that first down. Yeah, I think that's a good point about Mang about uh, Mangum, the running back on those short yardage situations. And Tucker was asked about the fourth and one calls in the press conference and I don't know if I've ever seen him blow off a question before, but he very clearly blew off that question. He was, you know, I, I think it was Chris Solari that asked it. And, and Mel was again, like, it's really late. That's not something I really want to get in. We don't have time to get into that today, but you can ask, you can ask uh, Jay Johnson next time you see him. So, um, but he did it in a very kind of lighthearted way, but yeah, he had no interest in talking about that very clearly, which I guess you could read that multiple ways, but um but yeah, I think Nathan Carter did, that was one of the questions at running back. And I think that was answered that Nathan Carter is kind of the, the clear number one. Um, he had a good, I mean, he had two very good runs. And then, you know, in the middle, it was a little not as good. It was funny because uh, Berger being the number two back, he also had a pretty good first run. He picked up like eight or 10 yards. Um, but then the, some of the runs in the middle were not as, were not as good. They had a little bit of a lull after that. Um and I think some of that, one of the, the questions that maybe didn't get answered as positively was the role of the offensive line, um, because they didn't really get the push that we were expecting against a MAC defense. And, you know, you do have to wonder, you know, what the running game did get off to a good start, but not really a dominating start. And so as the competition gets tougher and you start running into some of those Big Ten defensive lines, you do wonder how that's going to look. Um, now, we did have some question about the center position because Nick Samak was questionable. He did wind up playing. Um, he rotated in, I, I think Dallas Fincher still took more snaps, the, the backup center. So maybe that disrupted things. Um, but in general, they didn't rotate much on the offensive line, which was also a surprise. We expected, you know, a lot more heavy usage of some of the younger players early on. And, 
you know, some of the younger players we didn't really see in much until the second half. At least that was, you know, we weren't looking super specifically at that, but that was that was our observation from the press box. It's not much rotation on the O-line. So, and I, th- I think it maybe was you, Brendan, when I had you on a couple weeks ago that we talked about kind of that depth in a couple of those positions and how that was different from last year, you know, with the injuries that they had last year and everything. And I was actually surprised by that too. I was trying to keep track of numbers. I didn't have binoculars. That's something I'll add for the next game. But yeah, I didn't notice that they changed things around very often, which I wasn't sure if that was good or bad. I mean, good that those guys can stay out there and we have our main guys that can go the whole time. But um, I was a little bit surprised by that also. So a, a good point that I wonder... I wonder, you know, if that will continue or if they'll start kind of slowly bringing in those younger guys as the season goes on. We'll see. But, Paul, you made a good point. We were playing Central Michigan University, right? I mean, and they have a strong um, they have a strong history, a strong team, but we have some very strong opponents coming up. Um, and a lot of things, I think, need to get cleaned up before we meet some of those opponents. Um, let's switch over and talk about defense a little bit. What do you think? Um Overall points about the defense before I have some specifics for you. Anything to share? Yeah, I thought the run defense played well. Uh, Central only looking at it right now. 123 rushing yards. So I thought the run defense played uh, pretty well. Pass rush was good. I think trying to find the sack number. I can't find three sacks for Michigan State. So, uh, yeah, I thought they got a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, But Central Michigan – they didn't have a vertical passing game at all. That was non-existent. They had 96 pass yards the whole game. They couldn't push the ball downfield uh, in the passing game. So, yeah, the secondary looked good, but also Central Michigan did not test them. Those two things can be true at uh, can be both true at once. Uh, so I don't think Michigan State secondary, I don't think we'll know what they're truly made of until they until Michael Penix comes to town and Washington Huskies come in. Uh so, yeah, defense looked good, but also keep in mind the Central Michigan offense, they didn't really challenge them. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think that definitely the front seven played very well. And something interesting in contrast to the offensive line is we saw a lot of rotation on the defensive line. Like th- they were shuttling guys in and out, um, even in that first series where Central I think held the ball for 15 plays, which was by far their longest drive at the day, like by a factor of three. And, you know, midway through that drive, we were looking down and like, there's a complete, it's like a line hockey line change. There's a completely different four set of guys on that line. And, you know, especially towards the end of last year, they, they didn't have that many guys to suit up. Like they couldn't do that. And I have to wonder if that was a major contributing factor to the stop that the defense had on that first possession, because I mean, central had several cracks, in the red zone and they wound up turning the ball over on fourth and fourth and goal. And, you know, if they don't rotate those D linemen, I don't, I think it's quite possible that central scores the touchdown on that first drive because they were clearly very clearly trying to, trying to get a touchdown on that first drive. And I, I don't blame them. So I think that was a, a pretty major factor. Um, and the D line, I think did play very well. The, uh, the quarterback was a little on the elusive side and they finally started getting to him late in the game. Um, but that was, that was a positive. And then as far as the defensive backs, I I agree with Brendan. I don't think we really know. Um, but we did see some good things out out of, um, Dylan Tatum at corner. Um, one thing that Chase observed that was, was interesting is that they put him in press coverage quite a bit more, um, especially compared to Chuck Brantley on the other side. 
And it was unclear if that was a schematic decision or if that was more an athletic decision that they trusted Tatum to match up one-on-one with some of those guys. And, you know, he made some good plays and there were some other DBs that made some good plays here or there. But, you know, I think we also saw um, Jaden Mangum get it kind of turned around on the, uh, the touchdown that central scored. He kind of took a bad step and got undressed a little bit. So, you know, he's a sec, you know, he's this is the second year he's, he's seen major time. So you'd like to not see that, but that is a bit of a concern going forward. So you saw Kim and Halliday come out for the press conference. Did Halliday have anything interesting in, in addition to say about the defense? Um, he didn't say a whole lot now that I'm trying to think back of what he actually did say. I mean, I think, you know, he led the team in tackles. He clearly had a, he had a good game. He was kind of everywhere. So Paul had the opportunity to, um, field some questions from Henry, uh, give, give a kind of overview about what he said about the game and kind of how he thought things went. Yeah. The, um, we were able to interview a few of the different players in kind of a a media scrum at the very end of the press conference. And I had a chance to talk a little bit with uh, Tyrell Henry and there were kind of two main points that, that he was really asked about. And one of which of of course was the one-handed catch that he, he made um, in the second half. And I forget which, whether that was the last touchdown or or how far that extended the lead, but you know, a lot of, there's a lot of comments on whether that would make this the sports center top 10, which I am, I haven't checked. So I don't know if that, that made it or not, but you know, he was clearly, uh, you know, interested to see if that would happen. And I think his, his teammates were, you know, kind of egging him on a little bit about that. Um, but he also talked a little bit about the wide receiver room and how, you know, they're all very you know supportive of each other and they're pushing each other and they have, a, it sounds like they have a very good chemistry in that room. And I did think that was interesting because when Keon Coleman uh, departed, there was some question as to, you know, how that would affect the the chemistry in that wide receiver room because you know he was going to be most likely the 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 top dog in that room but sometimes that's not always a good thing and so the fact that we did see so much contribution from so many different wide receivers and the way that he spoke about his teammates I thought was very positive and you know and I think Trey Mosley being sort of the elder statesman of that room just you know it's, it's not necessarily good or bad but I think Trey maybe has more of a team mindset than than Coleman may have and so you know I think maybe we saw a little bit about that uh, potentially um, in that interview. Um, and then he also talked about, they asked him whether he practiced one-handed catches and, and he made a, some interesting comments there that he said that you know, basically after practice, they'll do some more unconventional drills or maybe he will try to catch it with one hand. And, and his point was that, you know, you never, you know, when you're in the, in the heat of the game, you know, the quarterback's throws not always going to be perfectly accurate or you're going to have to try to get open and the window's going to be tight. And so, it sounded like he, he wouldn't say he practices one-handed catches, but he didn't say that he doesn't practice one-handed catches. So uh, that was, uh, that was pretty exciting. And then the, um, the other point he was asked about is just the, the impact of losing Alante Brown in that first game and how that might have, you know, impacted the sideline or impacted him personally. And, you know, and he, and it, it clearly, I think rattled the team a bit and that might've been, you know, part of the explanation for that, bit of the slow start, you know, I think it was jitters, but you know, when you, you have a guy get carted off the field, literally on the kick, the opening kickoff of the, of the season, you know, that that's going to impact anybody. So I, I think that they, they sort of said all the right things, but I think that was very clearly on, on the player's mind. And, you know, he, he, again, I think mentioned that that one, you know, third down pass to Glover kind of reignited the, the excitement on the sidelines. So he kind of, you know, affirmed what we were kind of suspecting in the press box.
That's a good point. Having someone go down on that first play kind of takes the air out of your lungs a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a good point and something to be remembered. That's definitely right. Well, great points, Paul. Brendan, give me your grade of what you would say, how the team did in this first matchup against Central Michigan. Yeah, I thought the defense played well for like 95% of the game outside of that first drive there. Uh, offense shaking the first half, got it going, uh, pretty much a really good second half. So taking that into consideration, I give them probably B minus, I would say. I think that's accurate, B minus, B area, somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, like I said, offense shaky a little bit to start. Receivers had a couple drops, uh, so that wasn't fun to see. Uh, but they settled in nicely, got it going in the second half, kind of wore out Central Michigan, which was good to see against a MAC opponent there. Uh, defense played well, was suffocating throughout. So, yeah, I'd give them a B minus or a B. Yeah, I would say definitely saw some good things, but as you mentioned, some areas to be cleaned up. And it sounds like, based off what you guys have said, um, the guys that you talked to in the press conference, even Kim and Halliday, that kind of took like the main questions. They noted that, you know, there's some things that they need to work on and there's things that they need to clean up. So um, we'll see if those things are executed and changed next week. Anything else that you want to mention about the game, guys? No, not specifically. It's always fun to be back in uh, Spartan Stadium. Um, Spartan Marching Band, look at it at halftime. I did actually post some pictures of them in the, in, the, in the feed. It was a Disney theme, so apparently they don't have Spectrum Cable. Um, but no, it's always good to be back on campus. It was a good time. Beautiful <laughs> night. Um, and it was a beautiful day for football. Yeah, we were joking around yeah. with Chase, and, and we said uh, the, next, the next film room piece might need to be on the marching band. <laughs> and we did confirm Chase People has marching band that. experience. Yes. Oh. Yep. That was okay. confirmed. There's potential right. there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll have to get with him about that. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining. Um, Brendan will be kind of a staple here um, for our recap episodes. And Paul, I think, will probably be in and out. Um, probably a regular face also. My goal would be to kind of gather up the guys, the people that um, attended the game in the press box and have the press conference, you know, points to share for our recap. So this will be a weekly thing that we'll do. Um, thanks so much for watching. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, like I said, the information about the promo that we're running right now for Spartans Illustrated, the Spartans Illustrated site will be in the um, description and we will be pumping out quite a bit of football content over the next couple of days before we get ready for Richmond um, next Saturday at home at Spartan Stadium. The Spiders are coming to town, which I love that mascot, I have to it's say. It's cool. Yeah. yeah um, thanks so much for watching. And like I said, you can find this podcast on YouTube or anywhere else that you listen. And see you next week. Bye, everybody.